Hello there and welcome to KDL's Stump the Librarian podcast, where your friendly neighborhood librarians put their research skills to the test to answer questions from you, the listener, or your pet cat named Garfield, your branch manager named Karen, anyone who has a question, we are here to answer them. I'm Courtney. I'm one of the librarians you will be attempting to stump, and I am joined by the wonder and fabulous Jill. Hi, Jill. Hi. How you doing, Courtney? I'm doing well. I've got my McDonald's Coke drink, so I'm ready to podcast. But we have a question. We do. At the top. Yeah, at the top. Okay. What was our question, Jill? What are we answering? Okay. This is not one that is a stumper, really. It's it's just one we're going to throw in at the top here. And this question, um, this question came in through our uh, our submit button on our website, kdl.org forward slash stump. You can submit your own question here and we'll answer on the podcast. So this question comes from Dave from our Wyoming branch. And Dave asks, what is the strangest book that you have seen? So let's answer this at the top, Courtney. Yeah. So we see a lot of books and a lot of different books at the library, and some of them are strange. But one that comes to mind is one that one of our colleagues, Hannah, showed us a couple of years ago, and it's Crafting with Cat Hair, Cute Handicrafts to Make with Your Cat. And the cover has a little cat sniffing a finger puppet cat made from, you guessed it, cat hair. Yeah, after I saw that book, I really thought about trying that, but it seemed a little gross. (laughs) Just a little bit, but also a lot of work to collect the cat hair because I feel like cats, if they're anything Uh, like Minnie, she just sheds everywhere. Yeah, they're not though. They're a little different. Like you just, you pet my cat and then your hand is full of it. It's kind of gross. So if you're not a cat person, you're probably out on that and you're not. Yeah, I'm out. I'm not a cat Mm -hmm. person. I'm very solidly, I respect cats. And people who own cats, but I could never own a cat. Yeah, I love my cat, but she's very hairy, and you can tell wherever she lays. It's gross. So mine is actually one that I just learned about on a podcast that I listened to that was actually about Band-Aids, of all things. And it is a little golden book, which I don't really think we have in our collection here, but used to be able to buy them for very cheap at Mm -hmm. everywhere. Um, And this one is called Dr. Dan the Bandage Man, and the book comes with Band-Aids handy i know and, and it's you can still purchase it i yeah. thought for sure it would just be gone like, no schuler sells those golden books still yeah but yeah. i didn't think dr dan the bandage man would still be around <laughs> super weird hey, you still need bandages you do still need bandages well thanks dave for that question but we're already just answer some stumpers or are they stumpers Ooh. time will tell so our first question Of the podcast. It's me. I'm going. It's you. Do you want me to ask you your question? Yeah. Yeah. Ask me my question. I'm going to ask you your question once your document loads because I did not have it open. You can tell that I'm not used to doing the asking of questions. (laughs) I'm much better at doing the answers. But this question comes from Sandy, age 10 at our Wyoming branch. And Sandy wants to know, how do I stay entertained in math class? A question we have all asked at least once. It's in true. our lives. It's true. Sandy, I, I relate to this deeply. I have always struggled in math. That's, yeah. And, you know, you and I aren't alone. In a 2005 Gallup poll, I know that's a little bit old, but I'm guessing that these numbers haven't changed, but students listed math, 
as the top of the difficulty chart of all the subjects. So why is it that math is tough for some students? It's because math is not readily done. Math takes patience and math takes persistence in order to get it. So often a teacher's moved on before some students get it. And that means you fall behind. I know. And math builds on itself. So if you don't get it, then you have a hard time getting the next part and the next part. So that's why it's hard to pay attention. So you don't feel entertained in math because it's difficult. Mm -hmm. And when things are difficult, it makes you tired. Did you know that? Yes, I did know that. (laughs) Yeah. And so kids feel tired during math class, me included. Makes a lot of sense. For me, it was history. Oh, yeah. History kind of builds upon itself like that, too. Yeah, it was a lot of memorizing things. Mm. Just like knowing, you had to know that like in 1776, that was when the Declaration of You know, there's just yeah, a lot of dates. There are. I did better in math. Did you than I in history? I did well in math, yeah. Okay, I have this question at the end, but I'm just going to jump it in now. What yeah. What was your hardest subject? My hardest subject? Yeah. Oh, um, physics. Physics, oh, yeah. Physics, because I always said that like I took it in high school, which actually benefited me in college because I had to take two physics classes in college and everyone that I took them with struggled so hard. And I actually did pretty well because I had taken physics in high school and I struggled so hard that I really had to push it. But I always said it was because physics took common sense things and added math to them and just like made it more difficult. Cause it's like physics is why things happen basically. Mm -hmm. Like why the, um, carousel spins, why your car accelerates around a curve a certain way. And like, this is why you take all the physics questions that come in. Yeah. That's basically why it's really true. She does yeah, take do. all of them. But yeah. That was probably my hardest in high school. Okay. But, uh, history's always been hard for me. Oh, what about you? History's always been one of my favorites ah. and as what I majored See? in. Um, but, um, math, all of the maths. Oh, and math. I wish I would have, I, I should have taken like uh, a math that made sense, you know, like, um, math of your life. I don't know. Yeah, you know, yeah. that would be helpful for me now, but I didn't do that. And so I just struggled because yeah. it's hard. And I remember even in elementary school, it being hard. And so mm-hmm. like Sandy, I had a hard time staying entertained. So I'm going to flip yeah. this question on Sandy. Ooh. Ooh. And on 10 year old me. Um, so you probably can come up with ways to be entertained in math class, Sandy, um, but they're not going to help you in the long run. You have to learn math so that you can learn the math that you're going to work on next year and the year after and all the way into high school. So instead of answering your question, how can I stay entertained in math class? I'm going to an- answer the question, how can I pay attention in math class? Okay, you ready? It's five steps. Oh. Step number one, take notes. That helps you pay attention to your teacher. And you can even use like a different color pen or you could do like a little drawing as long as it doesn't take away from the notes you're taking. Mm -hmm. Step two, follow along with the teacher in the lesson. And if you get distracted, like if you're distracted by people around you or by like pretty pictures on the walls, ask your teacher if you can move to the front of the class for math so you can pay better attention. Step three, participate and ask questions. Mm Mm-hmm. That class time will pass more quickly if you participate and your teacher won't mind your questions. And I bet that other kids have those same questions that oh, you yeah. have. They definitely do. And yeah. they are also probably not wanting to ask. Right. For the same reason you don't want to ask. So if you ask your question, 
and you're worried about what your classmates might think, they're probably going to be relieved that you asked the question because then they didn't have to. Exactly. You look like the cool one mm-hmm. who they asked yeah. the question for us. They're so brave. <laughs> exactly. Okay, here's step four. Read the textbook and do the homework, but don't expect the homework to be easy. Math homework is difficult for everyone, even people where math mm-hmm. comes more naturally. And yes. you know what's called a math problem? Oh, because it's kind of hard. Yeah, there's like a, that. I told a joke about that when I went to summer visits. It's like, why was the math book crying? Because it had a lot of problems. <laughs> That's a good joke. I know they didn't think it was that great. Oh, of a joke. man. They, All of our listeners are going to love that joke. I know. Use it next time. Let us know. Yeah. Who laughs. Because everyone. Every, everyone should laugh. And here's step five. Ask for extra help if you don't understand something. Yes. If you move on without understanding, then you'll just be frustrated and then math class will be worse for you. So math is hard and I agree, but I wish I would have taken these steps because then math wouldn't be so hard every year because it just, it keeps getting more hard if you don't face it and try to not just entertain yourself, but focus. Oh yeah. So wait, you said your hardest subject. What was the best one? Oh, the best one? Yeah. Oh, hard <laughs> uh, all right just a good one then what was a good I liked, one I enjoyed most of my English classes in uh in high school because I think that was mostly due in part to my English teachers mm-hmm. so shout out to Mrs. Johnson and Mr. Forsell if you're listening because you did a great job um I actually so we're just going to address this now because this goes back to something so for our listeners um this is going to be my possibly last podcast because I am moving to Traverse City, and I'm t- that ties in because because I'm moving. That involves going through stuff that I've held on to for quite some time, and so I found a lot of my stuff from high school, and oh. so I found some papers I wrote and like math assignments. And here's a friendly tip: you do not need anything <laughs> that you learned in high school or college with you. You can if it isn't in your brain. You can Google it, or you can go to the library and you can ask a librarian to find the answer for you. Sometimes, though, you like to keep those old, like, uh, you know, middle school, elementary school writings, because you can look back on them later. But, like, I kept all of my notes from college. Yeah, that's too much. That was a lot of recycling that I did last night. Yeah. So, but we'll talk more about that towards the end of the podcast, but I have a fact of the day. You do? I do. Um, and this actually relates back to a question we got um, about where you can find the alien books in the library. And there are a couple of places that you can find them. Um, you can find them in the nonfiction, which seems maybe funny to some of you. Maybe it makes total sense to some of you. That's your own choice. But you can find them in the curious section the spirit paranormal section, or even found some in the science space section. Mm-hmm. But the book that I'm going to take tell my fact from comes from the curious section, and it's Frightlopedia, an encyclopedia of everything scary, creepy, and spine chilling, from arachnids to zombies. And so I flipped to the UFOs and aliens section. And Jill, between 1952 and 1969, how many UFO sightings do you think were reported? Oh, wow. 115. 
10,000 UFO <laughs> sightings were reported. Actually, I'm more. Not math, remember. <laughs> more than 10,000 UFO sightings were reported wow. between 1952 and 1969. Oh, wow. So, yeah, there's a lot going on up, up in the sky. That is. So that question was actually from Ben from our Gaines branch. So, Ben, come go. on in and ask where the alien and UFO books are. Yeah. We'll help you find those. Okay, Courtney, you ready to answer your question? Oh, I am. Okay. So Courtney's question today is from Mrs. Blanchard's class. And this question comes from Kyler, Clara, and Naomi. And the question is, who invented books? What a great question. So as librarians, we love a good question about books. And this is a great one. Um, Now, it is a little tricky to pinpoint who exactly invented the book since people have been passing on information and stories for hundreds of thousands of years through both written and spoken word. Um, But information and stories were written on whatever people could find, such as stone or even the trunk of a tree. Um, But it was the ancient Egyptians who were the first documented to use a paper-like material called papyrus which can be made by bounding the flat woven stems of the piperus plant. Um, shortly after that, ancient Egyptians began gluing the pieces of papyrus together to form scrolls. Wait, do you know how they glued? What, what are they used oh, for glue? Oh, I don't know how they glued it. It Ugh. did not tell me. That's all right. That's all right. That's a question for another time. Um, this was one of the first steps towards a book as we know and love them now. Um, Other ancient people used different methods of collecting information, such as Sumerians in about 3000 BC, who used pictograms or cuneiform writing on clay tablets. Um, And bookbinding is thought to have been born from India in 2000 BC. Mm. Um, Hindi scribes bound palm leaves that were etched with religious texts between two wooden boards using twine, Um, This technique found popularity in the Middle East and Eastern Asia and eventually spread to the Romans by the 2nd century AD. Um, But in the 2nd or the 3rd century, again, history is hard because sometimes there aren't solid dates because we don't exactly know everything that happened. Right. But... Um, so it's interesting that you chose the question about math class and I chose the kind of history question and <laughs> those were not our strong points. No. Anyways, um, in the second or third century, the Romans started creating the first more book-like item. Um, they created a codex, which is an ancient book, um, that has individual sheets of papyrus, parchment or paper folded in half. Then it's sewn together at the fold. Um, the information in these codexes was handwritten. Oh. Handwritten. Oh. Sounds awful. So do can you even still... imagine having to do that? Like how much work that would take? No, but is that the same word that we use for a codex, like um, uh, that you would use for your contacts? There's like a modern day equivalent of that. Not super modern. I remember my mom modern. having one say, of those. Not super back modern. Back from the 70s and 80s. <laughs> but more modern than Mid-century ancient Mid-century modern. <laughs> yes. That's about right. Um, you know, I'm not sure because this is like information um, that was copied by like monks and scribes. Yeah. It's usually... History information. Re- yeah, religious information or historical information, mm-hmm. which I guess like information is information. Yeah. I think, um, I think that's probably where we get that word from. It has to be. But in China, the Tang and Song dynasties were the inventors of woodblock printing and movable type. Ooh. So we're getting a little fancier here. Um, 
The wood for printing blocks typically came from date or pear trees. And when they were creating these wood blocks, the text to be printed was first handwritten onto a sheet of paper. Then the paper was glued face down on the wood block. And then using a knife, the characters were engraved on the paper um, and through like onto the wood. So they would use what they had on the paper as like a trace, like to trace what the characters were. Um, The surface of the wood block was then inked and covered with a sheet of paper. And by gently brushing the paper over the engraved characters, the text was printed. So in the beginning, wood block printing was mostly used for books about important topics like agriculture and medicine. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was in 762 that the first commercially printed books were sold in the markets of Changyang, the Tang capital. Um, but in 782, printed papers were also available in the marketplace for, like, receipts when you bought something or for, like, tax payments. Oh, wow. Um, but as you think about it, as cool and useful as that invention was, it was super time-consuming. Yeah, it sounds like it. Better than handwriting everything, but still not exactly the most efficient method of printing and disseminating information. This led to the invention of movable type printing between 1041 and 1048 by Bai Sheng. Um, this method worked by using one clay type for each linguistic character. Um, once the clay was fired and hardened, a layer of resin, wax, and paper ash mixture was placed on the bottom of an open iron block to hold the type with characters facing up. Um, the bottom of the box was heated to melt the wax mixture and simultaneously all the typeface was pressed down with a wood board to ensure the types were level. So it's like, you know, those like stamps that have like letters on it. So it's like That's if you picturing, put yeah. those all up and then you pressed it down. Oh, wow. Um, finally, the tops of the clay types were inked and the mechanism would then be ready for printing just like the wood block. Um, afterward, the clay types would be disassembled and they could be reused. Now, this was a marvelous improvement to the original invention, and it significantly reduced the time of printing um, from several days to a matter of hours. But because there are thousands of ideograms required for written Chinese, movable type was not as efficient as the printing press, which in the 1400s, Johannes Gutenberg developed the movable type printing press. This amazing invention enabled the mass production of one of our absolutely favorite things in the world, books. Books. Now, the key change that Gutenberg made to that movable um, type that the Chinese created was that he used metal instead of wood. Okay. That's a big thing. Um, people had to arrange the letters to form the text on the page, and once the page was all set, they would press it down like a stamp, and boom, a page of a book. So if you've oh. seen... The newest Little Women movie, there's a scene towards the end where Joe's book is being printed, and that's kind of like what they're using. So all those little like, like Mm -hmm. yeah. So then at that time, would there have been any in that printing press and anything other than German, right? I think, yeah, it started in Germany. But the most important thing, um, and like obviously things have changed like quite a bit from the 1400s to now. Right. Um, And you can always learn about the modern technology for printing. um, Because if I keep talking about the evolution of books, this podcast will be hours and hours (laughs) long. Because again, we're only in the 1400s and it's 2022. So yeah, don't don't do that. There's been a lot of improvements (laughs) now. 
Um, but the most important thing to note about the printing press in particular was that it made it possible for books and information to be created quickly, accurately, and most importantly, less expensively. Oh. So, you know, before the printing press, only people with a lot of money were able to afford text because it was so costly because of the materials and the time that it took. Mm-hmm. It was so expensive. But with the printing press, people who were in a low, you know, lower income were able to buy printed materials and... This meant that more people had access to stories information, which led to an increase in the literacy rate of the public, which wow. is wonderful news. It is. So, so what's the first book then? Oh, I didn't find the first book. Was oh. that the question? I yeah. thought it was how books were made. Oh. Mm. What was the first? Who invented books? Who invented them? So, I mean, that's... An, that's You're stumped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know who invented books. I'm sure it was someone... Long, 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 long ago, told the first story, and then it got passed on and passed on and passed on until mm-hmm. it finally could get written down. Would you call that codex the f- one of a f- the first books? Probably a codex was probably the first type of like real book that yeah. you could read. But like the first like actual book to be printed, there's probably a lot of debate because if you think about the world as a whole, like there could have been the first book in the Middle East, yep. in China, in Europe. In Africa and, you know, like all over. Right. So it's hard to pinpoint. And some places kept better records than other civilizations. Mm-hmm. And some were preserved better, unfortunately. That makes sense. It's a mystery. <laughs> but Oh, the Rosetta Stone. That's the first book. That's the first book. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, Jill, did you read a book? Oh. Do you have a book you want to talk so about? So I am currently reading Speaking a book books. <laughs> yeah um this is not the first book ever invented ah rats. No, i know it's called so i'm reading it right now and i'm well not literally right now no right not, now i'm podcasting i, hope, I was gonna say hope you're not i'm reading, reading it under the table that's a way to stay entertained in math class <laughs> and, and don't, do that. don't do that don't do that um so it's called Tilly and the Book Wanderers, and it is a sci-fi book. Oh, it's a fantasy book, really. It's not science fiction, and it's just great. It's about Tilly, and she lives with her grandparents, mm-hmm. and her full name is Matilda Page, which I think is wonderful. Oh, that's a cute name. Yeah, and her grandparents own a bookstore, and they call it Matilda Page Book store they oh, named it after nice. their granddaughter that's cute yep yep so she lives with her grandparents and um, lives in a bookstore and she loves reading and two of her favorite books are two books I also love she loves Alice in Wonderland and she loves Anne of Green Gables Now I love those two books mm-hmm. so her grandma was talking to somebody who I know as a character in a book and then that person just disappeared <gasps> No. Tilly's trying to figure out, ah, who is that person, Grandma? How do you know her? And her grandma was like, oh, you, you could see that person? Ooh. So there's some kind of mystery going on here. And Magic. then Tilly walked out, and there, sitting right in her bookstore, was Anne with an E, thank you very much. Yes, it's much more dignified. <laughs> yes, and she, she's sure that she's Anne from the book, but she's very confused. Yeah. So that red hair will give it away. Yes, yeah, she does yeah. have red hair. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. So um, she told the neighbor boy, and he, of course, does not believe oh. her. I always question when people tell. I don't think I would tell. Would you tell? I don't think I would just tell anybody. 
Well, the boy next door is her, is her friend. Is okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just a friend or her best friend? Um, not her best friend. Okay. Yeah. I wouldn't tell just a friend. Yeah. Like I would probably tell you or Emily. Yeah. I don't know though. Cause I'd, I'd probably be like, did you get enough sleep last night, Courtney? <laughs> Where's Emily? She wouldn't doubt me for a second. So she might doubt me to Jill. I don't think she'd doubt me to my face. Though. Yeah, she'd be like, "Oh, you really saw Anne of Green Gables?" Okay. So, okay. And then message so, Jill and be like, "Um, heard from Courtney. I'm worried about Courtney." <laughs> so I'm so excited to find out what's going to happen. Um, she Tilly keeps saying that she wants an adventure, and mm. Anne told her she needs to make her own adventure. Yes. That- so. And that sounds like a very Anne of Green Gables. It really does. It really does. So I'm so excited to see what happens. I'll give you an update of how much I like it. And how many hankies, if any. And how many hankies. I don't think that this one might be. I'm reading another one that's lots of hankies, and that's why I didn't want to talk about that one. Mm-hmm. It's too many hankies. Too many hankies. Um, but this one doesn't seem like it's going to be too many hankies. Oh, that's good. Maybe happy tears. Happy tears is always yeah. good. Because I love a book set in a bookstore. I'm yeah. all in. There is also a sinister character. He was just in the last chapter I read, and I love a sinister character. We don't know what's going on with him yet, but he's kind of creepy. So I, I highly recommend this one. I mean, I'm not very far in, but it seems like exciting adventure, kind of like Land of Stories-ish. Oh, fun. Yeah, that's that's the vibe I get anyways. Like, what's going to happen? The world's going to open up for Tilly. I love that journey. I'll have to add it to my never-ending list. Uh, my of list books is to really never-ending. And lately, all I've been reading is basically books for third, fourth, and fifth graders. And it's a great life, I'm telling yeah. you. I've been on that Percy Jackson grind, so oh. also a good time. Yeah, that is good. Yeah. Well, goodbye, Courtney. <laughs> <laughs> goodbye, Jill. Don't make it sound so sad. Um, but yeah, for those of you that are, have been listening for a while, um, yes, I will be leaving KDL and moving up to Traverse City. I will still be working at the library, um, just a different area district library. It'll be the Traverse Area District Library instead of Kent District Library. It's a great place to vacation, so you can go yeah, up there beautiful and branch. visit Courtney. Right on the lake. That, that Not the big amazing. lake, it's on Boardman Lake. That sounds Close amazing. to the big lake. I'll come visit you there. I would hope so. <laughs> the podcast is not going away. No. Um, we'll be back and we'll talk about what's going to happen next time. Um, Emily's still on maternity leave. So I don't think I'm going to have a podcast where I talk to myself. Maybe Alice and Anne, Anne of Green Gables, oh. can come. And Alice be on the podcast Yeah. You? I'll invite them and see if oh. they can come. I'm sure they can squeeze it in. <laughs> yeah. On their schedule. Would that be great? That would be pretty great. Yeah. But in the meantime, we'll have, we'll have some... Uh, some some guests and continue on the podcast but Courtney I just want to thank you for coming up with this fun idea and all of the fun questions that we've answered together thank you for all of your questions everyone well that's it for us today thank you all for your amazing questions and helping us learn more about our world so for you can ask questions and we we need your questions to keep yes. our podcast going. So send us your questions. I'll be sending a lot. Oh, thank you. KDL.org forward slash stump. And tune in next episode where we'll have other hosts, surprise hosts, and we'll answer more of your questions. Special thank you to the KDL programming department and the KDL marketing department and J.D. Dolinsky for our intro music. Bye. Bye.